0: Welcome back to another episode of Not All At Once. I'm Jordan Guess.
1: And I'm Kendall Y. Hello,
0: Kendall. Episode 14.
1: Number 14. Take uh, two. Take, take two. That's right. Um, <laughs> we So I'll explain. <laughs> we're recording this on Monday, June 13th. We recorded on our normal uh, schedule on Thursday last week or Friday. I think we actually recorded on Friday but um i forgot to click the record button and so it's a uh, lost content forever we will never get it back
0: on twitter you took to twitter and you said they are what do you call them the the lost scrolls or the deep scrolls
1: the dead sea scrolls actually it's death, not, yeah it's not quite the best analogy because the dead sea <laughs> scrolls were found uh, hey well
0: well, the, well, what people are going to find out is the content from Friday is going to be found. Maybe not in the exact same packaging, but it's going to be found today because we're redoing it and we'll still have another episode that we'll pump out um, later this week on Thursday. Yeah, so,
1: so this will be a, a two twofer this week. Which
0: is actually probably going to work out pretty well because this week... I mean, it's Monday morning, 10 a.m., and how the markets are already acting versus what happened last week. I think it makes sense for us to do a double, double episode week, um, just given how things are trending. So, yeah. So this isn't going to be the best.
1: Isn't going to be an exact replica because if anybody follows the markets, they'll know that today is an has absolute chaos in the markets. So, we're gonna start. We're gonna start off by talking about the markets, right? So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'll just prepare, give people a real quick yourself. rundown so they kind of know. So yeah, we're going to chat about uh, the top of the show, markets and inflation and just, uh, yeah, just get some thoughts on what is happening, um, crypto and otherwise. And, uh, and then we'll talk about inflation because that was the other big piece. Inflation numbers dropped literally maybe 15 minutes after we started recording on Friday. So we'll chat about that. We're going to talk about this new way to stream podcasts on this app called Fountain. And the Lightning Network and how how you can compensate creators. Um, and we'll also talk about the Lexington Bitcoin meetup that I went to last week, last Tuesday. And then we'll see how far we get into this. Um, we might have to save some of this for Thursday, but we are going to talk about the bipartisan uh, crypto bill that Senator Alumnus put out last week. And then lastly, we're finally able to talk about this, so we'll get to it at some point, uh, the Coin Center lawsuit with Jerry Brito and what that means. Um, they're actually starting it here in the great state of, state of Kentucky in the Sixth Circuit Court. So we'll be following that closely, but we wanted to give an introduction at some point this week of what that is. So anyways, with all that, Kendall, uh, give us the rundown, what what the <laughs> expletive is happening in the, in the markets right now.
1: Yeah, the markets are, we're having like liquidation events. Um. The uh, like the headline news in the crypto markets was that there's a uh, what do you call it? I don't even know what it technically is Celsius. So there's a company called Celsius, based out of uh, LA. I'll note. Um, Celsius is sort of like BlockFi in that they offer yield products to like to crypto depositors, so you can deposit your crypto and earn a yield. Um, I think they also probably do like some other things like exchange and other, other various things. Anyway, Celsius is basically going under, (laughs) I don't know for certain. I mean, what's happening is they have paused all withdrawals. And so they basically, it's like a classic bank run scenario where the bank just halts withdrawals. Um, and which
0: which also I heard Binance was doing that to Bitcoin withdrawals this morning as well.
1: Well, the Binance one was they they claimed was because they they were trying to resolve a a bad um, transaction. So they mm. so with Bitcoin has a mempool and the mempool is like the staging area for, for transactions, and so that's where transactions go to basically wait to be put onto the okay. blockchain. And um What probably happened with Binance is they put something in the mempool that was not what they wanted. And now the mempool I'm looking at it right now is like really backed up. And so it's gonna be like several, several hours before that that gets through. Um, but yeah, but yeah, this I mean the Celsius thing, Celsius is just it's a re 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 rehypothecation scenario where they're taking depositors' funds and trying to make more money out of it. And um, they're running into liquidity issues. I don't want to spend too much time focusing on Celsius because I don't actually know. I mean, in my opinion, it's not that Celsius is causing this. It's that Celsius, what's happening to Celsius is a reaction to what's, what's, what's going on in the markets. Um, Right. But, uh, because a lot of these
0: business models are based on, you know, the number going up too. Right. I mean, they do better with the different like derivatives that they've got in place. So when I mean, they when the market starts to go down they're having to then it's almost like the spiral of them having to sell to to essentially meet their current obligations.
1: Right. Yeah, cuz they have to they have to liquidate positions that they probably would prefer not to liquidate. Um and counterintuitively <clears throat> some of this can actually be bullish because by them forcing uh, or stopping withdrawals <clears throat> um they, so a lot of their funds are actually locked up in staked ETH, and so staked ETH is like ETH that exists in on the ETH 2.0 Beacon Chain, which is not currently liquid, and so it's a it's an illiquid asset, and so there's no way to redeem it. There's zero way to redeem it, and so it could be like for example with the Mount Gox scenario, a lot of people became forced. You essentially become like a forced holder, uh, and if you wait long enough, like maybe you can maybe that actually be bullish for you. Anyway, mm. who really cares about that? The, uh, the the main thing here is not your keys, not your coins, people. Like the you gotta this is even my shtick with Ethereum is that like taking full custody of your, your ETH is actually even very difficult. It's not something that the normal person can really can really do. I mean, you can do it, um you can do it in a trust minimized way, but you're never gonna have full, full authority over it. Um so anyway, not your keys, not your coins, people.
0: Yep. And, um, you know, what I posted on my social this morning was visualized value, um, time in the market versus timing the market. So, you know, again, this is just, ai I mean, I'm just, gonna, I'm going to keep buying every day, every hour.
1: <laughs> and I mean, this is the, so the current price of Bitcoin is 23,300. So this yeah. is, um, this is prime area. In my opinion, for turning on dollar cost averaging, and a pretty pretty turn on a pretty aggressive dollar cost averaging, yeah, um, but not financial advice, not
0: financial. Thank you, Kindle, for that. Kindle's talking to me on that. The broader audience, you guys will have to decide for yourself. So <laughs> it's so funny now. I'm so known, uh, especially amongst my family, of like as the Bitcoin guy. So every time, like I was at a little pool get together yesterday. You know, this is before even what happened. Like that was while we were still up in like the twenty seven range. So, um, but people were asking the question. It's like, look, I'm a young person. I can, I can, I can take this, and I don't need this money right now. So, but yeah, my aunt who is in her fifties. It's like, yeah, you you have to consider your situation. It's a lot different than mine. So, um, so anyways, yeah. Uh, but the broader market too is down. I mean, I've got the w- Wall Street Journal pulled up here. Um, S and P trades into bear market territory, so. Oh, um, everything's
1: everything's getting wrecked. Like there is no the nothing is up right now. Basically nothing. Right. I guess I guess that means the only thing that's up is the dollar. Um, I mean, technically, even the oh, I guess the Dixie index is up a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything is. I mean, the VIX, up. the VIX is ripping. Yeah, the VIX is at nineteen right now. Um, yeah. Yeah, something is seriously broken in financial markets right now. This, the, yeah, man, there's so much, where do we even, where to begin? It's It all comes down to a liquidity crisis. Like we, I mean, we'll see, but uh, this time is most likely not different in that um, What's ha- what happened in 2018 and what happened prior to that is that there's just insufficient liquidity to, to make the system work. And so things literally just start breaking. Uh, and then, and what would
0: normally happen on a day like today, you would actually start to hear whispers of the Fed thinking about bringing rates back down. But the reason for, at least for what's, you know, Chelsea and David are talking about in this, uh, these two writers of the Wall Street Journal, they're talking about. All this is because of the announcement, the inflation numbers that came out on Friday for May. And so the market's tanking because inflation kept going up from April to May. But <laughs> there's, so normally you would have, you maybe have the Fed say, we're going to lower interest rates to bring the market back up, but they can't lower rates because inflation is going is still going so heavy. So we are in the classic, or were back in the 19, wasn't it the 1980s with the stagflation? Essentially you had high unemployment, high inflation and low economic growth.
1: And yeah. I mean, this is of, my, this is like where we're going. This is my shtick. This is my, uh, if I'm going to put on my, my uh, cynical, my bear hat here, mm-hmm. the problem with what central banks have done over the past decade is that they have intended to, to, um create growth. And in reality, they've created contraction. They've actually made it, they've made, they've made the situation much worse. And for that reason, we're all poorer. We are all less wealthy because of that. And um so yeah, I mean this there, there's an FOMC meeting this week and they're supposed to raise rates 50 bips. Um there was a lot of talk in the past week about them. Actually, even upping that to seventy-five bips. Um, so you're talking and about what meeting is that? Uh, the Fed minutes meeting. So oh, for U.S. for yeah, the Federal Reserve. So they meet they meet once a once a month, roughly, and uh, and talk about what they're going to do with rates. And
0: yeah, just so uh, everyone knows, they're normally if they move the rates up, they normally go in increments of uh, twenty-five basis points or bips, or think of it as 025 percent um, at a time. So, yeah, for them to even be talking about 75 basis points in one meeting, that's crazy. So,
1: I mean, here's the thing, like, here's, here's like, the, the thing I cannot square. I think that the, the rates are so low relative to inflation, the financial repression is so high right now that I don't even know if them... I don't even know if them doing anything is doing anything whatsoever. Like we talked about the euro dollar a couple episodes ago and I'm looking at the euro dollar chart right now, the futures chart and it's still going down, which is bearish. Um so <clears throat> I just like I guess on the surface, like narrative-wise, it's just absurd. It's insane that they are going to re- think of the think that they're they're going to raise rates in in this chaos, but, but like technically speaking, I don't know if that even matters. I don't know, man, who knows I'm lost.
0: Yeah, it's a, there's a lot of moving pieces right now. And there's, the problem is over the last 10 to 15 years, there's at least been a strategy that people believed that the fed could employ to kind of fix things or the government could step in and pretty much bail out certain industries whether it was the auto industry or you know it was um banks or whatever but like this seems like it is touching every single industry so i can't see the government coming in i don't even know what they would do you know what i'm saying like in terms of like a stimulus type of package um
1: yeah i mean that's that's the scary thing the scary thing is that there's a there's a reasonable chance that they're going to have to stimulate into an inflationary spike, which yep. is not good. I mean, that that's, um, you know, Luke Groman has, has said one possible outcome, maybe it's not the most likely, but one possible outcome is a 1980s Israel style inflation. And um, the brief, the little bit of research I did on this was basically what happened in Israel in the eighties was they had a two to three year period where they had a hundred percent inflation year over year. Wow. And, um, it basically wiped away all the debt. And then at, at the end it was over and everybody was okay, but it was a hundred percent inflation, uh, a couple of years. And so, you know, I mean, I don't know if that could happen, but maybe it could happen. I do know that the CPI right now is 8%, but what that really means is the real inflation is probably more like 20%. Yeah. See, this is the problem. The problem is the the ultimate problem is the jet, the debt to GDP ratio. And we just have way too much debt. And so we're trying to inflate it away. We've actually been successful over the past two years since COVID. In, in bringing the debt to GDP from like 130, we brought it down to like 120 or 115 or something like that. I, I don't know the exact numbers. Um so we were successful in some to some degree in doing that. But um but I but like we we've, we've still we're still net negative like because we um anyway I don't know the the, the 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 shtick is that like the real inflation number is a lot higher than eight percent. Um, yeah and and even though that they've been able to bring that debt to GDP <laughs> ratio down some, now we're in a situation where we're like, okay, so are we going to just have to spike it back up again? Because like everything's breaking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it's um, I think I'm like, I'm probably going to go back and listen to that Preston episode this week with uh, Leonard. I always forget his last name. It starts with an L too, but let me find it real quick. If I'm going to plug it, I need to
1: I can, get right. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes.
0: Okay, cool. You know what I'm talking about though, right? Where they're kind of yeah. chatting about the, we're going back to real things. We're getting out of clown world of, you know, where pretty much everyone was making money on everything under the sun. I mean, you could just, you could pretty much do anything and you'd make a lot of money for the last, you know, just, just say after, after 2020, the the market, you know, the, very brief market dip because of covid after that i mean just i mean not to pick on nfts but just pick you know look at the nft market Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: and i think that's a great representation of like that was something that was great in the time because everyone was just like flush with cash and they were like having a lot of fun with it and now we are going to survival mode and how can you feed your family how can you even just maintain your wealth. Um, you're did not. You, you're not even thinking about growing your wealth at this point.
1: <laughs> yeah. Did you listen to um, that uh, Drunken Miller on at, at the Sewn conference yet? that I sent you. No. Is that the
0: one you sent me this
1: weekend? That I was. You, I sent it to you yesterday. Yeah. So. Um, no, I have not gone to it yet. So Drunken Miller is a legendary investor, um, and uh, he he doesn't he doesn't come out to the public and speak. Too frequently maybe a couple times a year okay. and, he can, and he just did last week <clears throat> i highly highly recommend everybody listen to it i'll link it in the show notes um
0: and what's the what's the two sentence synopsis just
1: so everyone gets a little tease well they talk they talk they talk about a lot of things it's, it's an hour long it's really dense you could probably listen to it a few times honestly um okay but um because i talk some about like what's like how has Duncan Miller been so successful? And then part of it, they talk up. He talks about like current market market conditions, and um, one of the things he he highlighted was the the problem over the past decade has been we have never seen or we haven't seen the amount of innovation and disruption in the world since since ni- since eighteen ninety. So you're talking about over a hundred years ago was the degree of innovation disruptive innovation that that we we had that we've had since over the past decade right i'm not wow i'm butchering my words here you get the point no and, yeah that makes sense and the problem is the problem is that um what central banks did i don't know if you can blame central banks but this the financial system at large um propped up a bunch of zombie companies so typically with disruptive innovation which what ha- what has to occur is creative destruction. So you need to go in and destroy the legacy systems. You need to wipe them out basically because they're mm-hmm. no, they're no longer uh, competitive against the new, new technology and, and whatnot. And that basically just didn't happen. And, um, so you have like this new burgeoning tech field with guys like you and me that are just killing it. And I gotta be honest. I talked to, I talk to older people, um, you know on the occasion and one thing that that's a common theme is like the, the ones who are honest they're like wow it, it's like it's actually quite scary to us how intelligent you young people are like um so anyway the right. so you, they just like you didn't have this this creative destruction so you have to just we should have had a bunch of insolvencies over the past decade but we didn't right and um and that's a big issue I and we have- should
0: probably have those now. I mean, and it's, I'm not, obviously we're not like cheering for that, but it's just reality is that there are winners and losers and not everyone can be a winner. Not every company can be a winner. Not every individual can be a winner. And that's just been proven over time, right? Just like go out into nature. Not every gazelle can escape the wrath of a, of a lion, right? Like, And so, but we've almost been, to your point, the propped up where some, you know, someone will step in at this point, it's been the government. It used to be J.P. Morgan, right? Back in like the 19- 1907 that's crash. Right. Yeah, that's J.P. Right. Morgan was the one who stepped in and then now it's, now it's... Well, hell,
1: Buffett, Buffett stepped in in 2008 actually. Propped really? Up, propped up Goldman Sachs. Yeah. So. I don't think I knew that.
0: So I think it's um we, but with all of that like pretty much with all those people kind of stepping in and not letting failure actually, uh, become realized. It's just been growing and growing and growing. It's like, it's like when you're getting mad at your wife, but you never talk to her about it and then it just continues to grow. And then ultimately (laughs) you literally just blow up on something. You just blow up.
1: Like, (laughs) I love that analogy. I mean, what happens is it makes everybody else poorer. Like it just, it's just like, it's like holding a hostage. Like, like you're just, there's no good outcome in that scenario. Um, and yeah. I, I can't, I, I mean, really, in my opinion, all it, this all goes back to demographics and the problem is right now there is like a giant generation of baby boomers, which are all in control. <laughs> and, and like, they're just like, in a way the baby boomers are like holding us back, like holding the millennials back and like, um, I don't know, maybe I'm projecting here, but you're, that's just, that's not going to work. Like that, that's, I'm, I'm sorry, but like the, that's not the way the world works. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I'm looking, dude, I'm looking at, cause you know, to, to remind everyone, CPI, the number we gave it, you know, at the top the 8.6% and that's May 22 versus May 21. That's just like, they're trying at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, they're trying to create a bucket that applies to the most people to pretty much give an average of what inflation is. But every single person, if you listen to the show for a little while, you sh- you know, we've talked about this a little bit, but every person has their own individual inflation. Um, but literally looking down the list of some of these percent changes in specific um, categories, you know, food, just general food, 10%, 10% energy, literally energy 35, but like just take gasoline, gasoline, 49%. 49% for the average person. So that's like something that everyone does every week, right? That's like a bucket item that goes for just about everyone, right? Um, and then, yeah, if you wanted to fly, I'm sure people have noticed that. Fuel oil is up 106%
1: what about Here. housing is housing on the list let's see
0: shelter i guess that'd be yeah shelter yeah,
1: yeah, is 5.5 yeah, that's so all 5.5 that's what it oh, says man. yeah that's bullshit but,
0: well maybe that's maybe that's just rent like another one is vehicles you know new vehicles 12% used vehicles 16% so that's another one that like a lot more people this one blew my mind too utility, like uh, you know, your gas pretty much, that's 30 and electricity is 12. So all these to say like, yeah, you hear the 8.6 number and you're like, yeah, that's really bad. It's way worse than that because think about it for some of these numbers that you actually, and then again, if you bought a house to Kendall's point, I think what Kendall's getting at is right now, is like, if you want to go buy a house, what you're paying today versus what you had, would have had to pay a year ago, and then take into account the interest rate hike. because your cash out is, is more because of these interest rates. Your, your actual inflation rate is higher probably than 8.6 for the vast majority of people. And then go take that to your wages. Go look at what you got, what your year on year changes for your wages. And if you didn't at least get, I mean, just take the 8.6. If you didn't at least get an 8.6% raise, over year on year, you have a pay cut, um, and so we've all gotten
1: we've all gotten poor. I mean, I yeah. I I genuinely think that they're see. This is one of the things that breaks the housing markets is that, um, we'll call it roughly from late summer twenty twenty one to about February twenty twenty two. There's going to be stories of a lot of people that bought houses in that time span and we'll say sometime within the next year, they are going to owe more on their mortgage than the house is worth. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Now that is a problem.
0: Um, yeah. Especially brought like when that happens to a broad range of people, like it did in 08 09. Yep. Because yeah, you're talking about bankruptcy. I mean, most people hold the, like for the vast majority of people, if they have any wealth, it's in their house. Right. And so, yeah, if they go upside down on their house, meaning that, yeah, they owe more than it's worth. So if they went to sell it, they would actually have to come up with more money to be able to get out of that house. Um, it's not, that's an absolute shit show. So I think,
1: I think the housing is going to be the political, uh, it's going to be a, a subject to massive political debate in the coming decade. I think that when I just think about like cultural narratives, Mm -hmm. I think, I think that there is a growing wealth gap in the world. The rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer and everybody, everybody needs a place to live. And I think that I'm, you know, regardless of what my opinion is, what your opinion is, what anybody's opinion is, I think that there's going to be a cultural narrative that will take hold that will say housing is for living in, not for speculating in. And um, just be prepared because I think, I mean, maybe I'm a a little bit of a nutcase here, but I think that that's on the chopping block.
0: Property rights going away
1: yeah i mean and they're gonna and the way it would work is like it just gets chiseled away piece by piece right i don't know how exactly that plays out but well um, no
0: they they could just tax it yeah like there the real, real estate yeah. taxes and over time yeah over time just bleed you away very slowly but um yeah, the only other thing I wanted to mention with this is, you know, I've, I've already got one friend in my uh, in my messages today saying, I thought Bitcoin was an inflation hedge. And again, let's just talk about the fundamentals more than anything. Bitcoin is still a very new asset. I think everyone can agree on that. I mean, just take gold. You, gold has a very predictable and low, um, pretty much, well, I guess high stock to flow ratio, but a low new supply. So we know exactly how much, roughly how much new gold is gonna come into the market every year. And Bitcoin is is the same, but it's actually perfected um, that. So all I'd say, if you you wanna talk about supply side inflation, that um, Bitcoin has not changed. Um, And the price action, again, there's gonna be a lot of things that are tied to Bitcoin that are gonna fail like we saw with the Luna crash, like we saw with, like I guess we're seeing right now with some Celsius tied to some Bitcoin stuff. And um, it's going to take some time. And this is great for, if you're a Bitcoiner, if you're a true Bitcoiner, you look at this and you're excited because you're getting more sats for each dollar that you trade in. Um, And you have to have a really long, yeah, you have to have that long view or else, yeah, you're going to lose your mind.
1: (laughs) Oh, definitely. Definitely. This is a this is our retirement accounts. Like this, is, yeah. this is how millennials need to think about this thing. Yeah. Um, I want to comment on this. So Drunken Miller talks about this in that, in that talk. Okay. And um, his framing is, <clears throat> in the world we're in today, in bull markets, when you, sorry, in the world we're in today, when you think about inflation and inflation hedges, in bull markets, you want to own Bitcoin. And in bear markets, you want to own gold. And um, the reason for that is that Bitcoin is still, it's like heavily correlated with tech, tech stocks and the NASDAQ. And that's because it's the same people that are trading the, the two things, right? So they sort of trade them together. Yeah. Um, and more philosophically, like, or sorry, more higher level here, the, you know, the way I think about this is Bitcoin is still in a venture type of stage. Like it's still in a growth stage. Because in order for Bitcoin, we've, we've harped on this a lot recently in order for Bitcoin to truly play its role in the global financial system it needs to be a lot bigger. It needs to be like a million dollars a coin at a minimum, probably more. And so we're not anywhere close to that, right? So we're still in growth stage. And when you're in growth stage, you don't, it's not like you, you're not really a true inflation hedge at that point. You're, you're still trading like a tech stock, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, anyways, I just wanted to I just wanted to bring that back as a reminder. Um, yeah, just stay in the market, and again, but don't put anything in that you're that you can't lose today. You know, what I'm saying if you if you have obligations that you need to meet in the next three three months, six months, one year, you really need to be keeping that in cash. Um, yeah, I mean, rule, not, not rule, investment advice, but rule
1: rule of thumb. If you ever find yourself emotionally upset, that means that your, your position size is wrong. you either have way too much or way too little. Like you should never, what's going on in the markets today does not phase me whatsoever. Like I adjust, I adjust my dollar cost averaging because I see it as an opportunity, but it's not like I'm emotionally distraught because. And,
0: and, and just so everyone knows you adjust your dollar cost averaging up in times like this for yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Be more aggressive. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Love it. Double down. I'm with you. I think I'm going to, I'm going to do that when I get off, I'm going to, I'm going to increase my DCA. That sounds like a great, I love that. All right, let's get, so that was, that was very sad, but that, (laughs) but that's not our fault. Okay. We didn't, we didn't make these decisions. We just talk about them. So, and to Jeff Booth's point, um, from his series with uh, on What Is Money? show, there's not really a lot that these central bankers can even do at this point. So you, you can't even really get mad at them because there's not really great options on the table to fix this. So we'll, just, we will...
1: Just the way of the world. You know, it's like, you got to be careful which doors you open sometimes. You know, it's like opening Pandora's box and you're like, oh man, the more I learn, the more I know, the more I, know I don't know and the more upsetting it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you can't close the door. <laughs> it's like yeah. sucking you in. All right, let's talk about, let's move on and let's talk about something more fun. Um, so we chatted about this on Friday. I'm going to just do a real quick recap. So fountain.fm is a um, is a new platform, newish platform on where you can listen to podcasts and you can stream, uh, you can pretty much stream value over the rail, the payment rails on this app. To the creators so you would have your own bitcoin wallet lightning wallet and then the podcast creators would also have a wallet and you can stream micro payments to them so we're talking about you know at this point fractions of a penny and and i guess with the price with the price of bitcoin now it might be fractions of fractions of a penny you know if you're sending it 10 satoshis or something right so um so anyways we got set up on there i guess at this point two weeks ago and We've been loving it. I mean, uh, it's just, if, if nothing else, it gives people an opportunity as this show continues on and as people find more value in it, I um, mean, it grows, the audience grows. People, if they uh, feel feel that they want to, they can actually stream Satoshi. So you can do it per minute. So you can pick like 10 Satoshis per minute to stream. And then you can also do what's called a boost. So that's kind of like a one-time payment, you know, if you're streaming some sats and then also you're like, man, that was a great point. I learned something really valuable right there. Then you can also send, you know, an extra 100 sats or whatever it is. So, and then, so that's basically what that was. And then I was going to get let Kendall jump in because he had some thoughts. He wrote his paper for June um, or his piece in June on pretty much the subscription model versus the, I'll let you kind of get into it, but it's kind of like, it's, it's talking about this, this idea of how to, how to, compensate creators going into the future
1: yes before before i get into that a little bit of insider baseball here the for those who don't know the way podcasts work podcasting is like already kind of an open source thing it's like always been open source and so i didn't even actually like upload our content to fountain it was like fountain discovered it and like jordan opened up the fountain app and our content was there, so it was which like, was okay. amazing. I love it. He's like, "Whoa!" <laughs> and so then he had. There was like, we had to go and there's process and claim it as our own. And there's like an authentication process to to do that. And now you can stream up stream of sats on Fountain. Um. So yeah, that was cool. Okay, right. Um, I write a piece about every month. I'm not a very good writer, but I have good ideas, so I. I'd, I want to share them Um, and June's piece was about the concept, you know, broadly is about the concept of micropayments. We've never had the ability to send like fractions of a fractions of of a penny over the internet in real time. That's never existed. That technology has never existed. Um, and now we have that. And that's lightning, right? And um specifically light USD stable coins over lightning is where I think this is really gonna blow up because you have to have a stable value to really have mass adoption. Bitcoin is store of value, you know, it's not really a great medium medium of exchange, but um that's neither here nor there. The um Like there's just like a, there's a massive inefficiency in online markets and most online business models follow one of two paths. I'm speaking from, about content creation. So serving up videos, images, music, any sort of digital content, digital art, anything like that. Um, There's been two business models, right? There is the advertising business model and then there is the subscription business model. In advertising, you are the product. They're tracking you, they're selling your data to advertisers, data firms. It's all very sleazy. It's not good. Think Google,
0: think Facebook, things you get for free, quote unquote, but they're not actually free because you are giving up something.
1: That's right. Um, it's very dirty. We have no privacy. It's not good. Um, and then the other business model is subscription. And the concept of subscription is that you pay flat, flat fee and you get sort of unlimited access, sort of. Um, so I give this example in the, in the piece of Alice and Bob. You have Alice and Bob. Alice watches a ton of Netflix, like 10 hours a day. Bob watches like one hour a week, not very much. Both people pay the same price for Netflix, but um, each of them realize a different value. Alice realizes the full potential of the, of the offering, and Bob doesn't realize it at all. So in, in, in a technical way, Bob is not, Bob is losing money because he's paying more money than he's realizing in value and he's
0: paying a higher unit cost. So he's paying 50 or I guess he'd be paying whatever 15 divided by four is. If he's watching one episode a week, right? That's his unit cost per show that he watches. Whereas Alice is paying a much lower unit cost because she's watching a lot more shows.
1: That's right. If you think about like per byte, right? So bytes information is composed of bytes Um, on a per byte level. Uh, Bob is paying way more money per byte. Yeah. This is the this is the unit economics. So, um, so there's a huge inefficiency there. And like what I think is going to happen is you'll you'll have an emergence of a third type of bu- of business model, which will be usage based, and like the way I see most online social interactions is, or like content consumption, you have, as a user, you're doing one of two things. You're either discovering new things or you are consuming things that you already know about. And if you already know what you want, then you should be able to pay on a unit basis. Like you should be able to pay usage-based, like if you know you wanna to listen to this podcast, then you're, you're, you're paying us a penny for every minute or whatever. And, and if you get 10 minutes in and you're like, actually, this isn't great, I'm gonna cut ties, you're out the 10 cents or whatever, but, um, but you didn't pay more than that either, right? So um, we talked about this Friday and the framing was interesting. What was it it's sort of like it sort of mirrors a employee-employer relationship. So, like whenever you're an employer, you're hiring people. You don't know for sure if they're gonna add value to your business, but you have to pay them. Um, and then if they end up not adding value to your business, you have to fire them, right? You cut ties with them. Mm-hmm. It's a similar model. You can see how that's very empowering to a digital user. You're sort of like an employer in that scenario. You are the employer. Of all the content creators that you are consuming, mm-hmm. and and the and your 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 voting on, <clears throat> you see, I didn't I didn't go into this. I don't know how to articulate this, but I think that it's the 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 usage based model will 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 change online culture drastically. The culture will change because, um, like it, it's much healthier. I don't know how mm-hmm. how to explain why that's the case, but...
0: It's almost like I'm thinking of like someone who has a 10 years had a private driver, okay? They always had a driver and they paid a crap ton of money for that, for a full-time employee pretty much, right? To drive them around in a black SUV versus now they can go on whatever the highest, uh, you know, highest level of Uber service and they can just hire a private driver, quote unquote, whenever they need it but their their unit cost on that is a lot less and they're not having to rely on one person right
1: yeah yeah that's a great that's a great analogy yeah so so yeah that's the piece uh we talk, yeah usage base it all comes back to the internet of money i think that that's the that's the thing that i get the most excited about because like yeah. personally my my worldview. I loathe advertising. Like, I think advertising is a net negative for society. Yeah. But, um, and so, like, yeah. When I think about moving away from advertising, I think that sounds great. Yeah, because
0: what Kindle's describing here, just so we can kind of connect all the dots, is, like, if you paid per use, you could actually um, avoid these large corporations tracking you. And... Mm-hmm. Again, it's not one of these things like, oh, you have something to hide. It's just that people, some people really value their privacy. Um, and so you can essentially escape that world where, you know, these Apple or whatever, even though Apple has all these new <laughs> commercials where they're really trying to pump, oh, yeah, you have privacy through Apple. It's like, no, you literally track everything I do through my iPhone. So, well,
1: so, yeah, I mean, that's the moral case. And that's my worldview. I, I'm you're 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 correct. But if you even set morals aside, if you just think about this financially, mm-hmm. I think this is the cheaper option. This is the more efficient option, right? We've talked about how like bandwidth is a race to the bottom. Like mm-hmm. all you know, all, all technological innovation is a race to the bottom. And I um, just and I brought but, this up last time. Or go ahead, sorry. Yeah, there's just there's one one thing I want to highlight. People yeah. don't realize the cost for advertising, right? Mm-hmm. Now now there's this whole narrative around you're the product and they're tracking you and they're taking advantage of you. Set that aside even. There is a cost to your mental well-being. There's a cost to your focus. Being bombarded with advertising all the time is a distraction. You can't focus on what you're trying to do. And that is a huge cost. Context switching is a massive cost that people don't realize. And again, this goes back to like the health thing. If you can have a, if you have a continuous stream of thought and and you're, you're, you're locked in without distractions, it's much healthier and you'll get much more done.
0: I've never thought about that. I love that. I mean, I, I was going to bring up the point I brought up on Friday is, and that's the trade off for me is like, say, I want. Uh, like I'm okay with getting this service for free quote unquote called Facebook, but um, like, I don't want to pay for it, but actually what should happen is I'm still giving something up. I'm giving up my data um, which these companies use to monetize their That's how they monetize their business. And so I think in exchange for me giving up my privacy, I think, it would be an interesting thing to think about. And maybe it even has to go through legislation, but people getting compensated in micro payments for letting corporations track them. So essentially, instead of it being free, you actually are getting paid to use Facebook and Twitter, uh, things like that. and. How they're doing that is they're giving you just a very, very small portion of the money they make from their app, like what they charge to advertisers and data centers. They're giving you a very small portion of that that might, you know, that kind of represents your little bit of data that you handed over.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that's a really interesting idea. I mean, I think it. what it reminds me of is, um, you know, have you heard like you can like participate in studies? It's like, and you get paid for it. It kind of reminds me of that, like you're kind of like a test subject, like they're paying you because they want access to your behavior. Yes. Yeah.
0: That's Oh yeah. That's great. Yeah. Literally. They want to watch you. They want to see if we feed you this ad, how do you react to that? What do you Mm -hmm. go and do after that? Do you purchase? And, and I think, I think it works from a business model standpoint, because I mean, just I'm thinking about the e-com businesses that I work with and like they heavily rely on data to know what worked with ads and what didn't work. Right. And they get that data from social networks at this point that, you know, social networks and probably search engine um, types. So anyways, I think it would be it would be it would work really well for a segment of this of society who's just like, I don't care if if this government or this corporation knows everything about me. Whereas there's people on the other end of the spectrum, I would probably put them more in like a Bitcoin type of <laughs> camp of like, I, privacy is really important to me, um, not because I'm doing anything illicit, it's just because it's important to me, and um, and pretty much I will just pay for everything out of pocket, and then I will enjoy what you're talking about, pretty much a clear screen, uh, like a clear mind, and only you know only consuming the things that I want to sorry that's okay Hear the dog barking
1: dog in the background (laughs) so uh okay well this was great um do you want to do you want to briefly mention the lexington bitcoin meetup
0: yes let's talk about that real quick and then we'll save the other two pieces for thursday so um yeah the the main so real quick tuesday last week i went down to lexington and got together with um Dan and Patrick, who run the Lexington Bitcoin Consulting Group down there, and they also run the Lexington meetup. They meet weekly. They are on. They are on it. Like uh, I loved it. So it sounds like every first Tuesday night they do presentations, and then the other three uh, weekly meetups are more much more casual, where you you know you're just kind of chatting about what's news with what's new with Bitcoin and stuff like that. Um, so. But on Tuesday last, I just happened, so happened to catch the presentation week. So they there were two presentations on the Lightning Network. And uh yeah, lots of things lined up um really nicely because I just figured out the fountain stuff. I think the day before, or no, the week prior. Yeah, for that, for that last podcast. So had I shared that and then everyone was like, plug the podcast. So that was so fun. Got to share a little bit about what Kendall and I are doing. And I learned a ton from both the speakers, Um, Patrick, who, like I said, he runs, he's one of the people who runs it. And then Vincent, who I'm like so excited to get Kendall and Vincent uh, connected. They're both um, software guys and uh, he's a grad student at university of Kentucky. So, and he was just, I learned so much. I mean, I had so many more questions, but it was like, it was just because I was, my brain was challenged to think, uh, differently about how to open up channels and why to open up a channel with this user versus this other user. So, anyways, but my main thing, this is what I'll say about the meetup: get out there and meet and like do in real life things. Um, I know I said the same thing about the uh, Bitcoin conference; like that was the highlight for me on the Bitcoin conference was just being in the same physical space as other people who are excited about Bitcoin. And it's, um, it is important, especially as we, you know, if the market continues to behave like this, to be around people who, you know, you can kind of be reminded of like, oh yeah, there's real people out here who, who, um, you know, are concerned about the same things I am. So, yeah, Yeah, that's
1: cool. I mean, it's impressive. They meet every week. Wow. Um, (laughs) and for anybody listening to this, it's around this part of the the world too. I'm going to plug the uh, Nashville Bitcoin, mm. Nashville Nashville Bitcoin culture, I think, is uh, underrated. Underrated.
0: Patrick was wearing a Nashville Bitcoin meetup shirt at the Lexington Bitcoin meetup. So, mm. um, and the other thing I'll mention is, especially if you're someone out there who's like wanting to get try to figure out what can I do, like in this industry, whether it's from a volunteer standpoint or. Maybe I want to actually make it switch into working in the Bitcoin industry. Doing this,
1: um, hands hands down, that's the best way. If you go to these conferences and meetups, you can find a job for sure. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it was so crazy. Literally, I was. It wasn't a week later. I was on the phone um, with Patrick and a group of people um, setting up a Bitcoin association in the southeast of the United States about mining and talking to politicians and and I'm gonna out with some, some of the accounting work. So it's like, um, yeah, you just, uh, if you're interested in how you can help go to a physical meetup, start talking to people and then just share, this is what I do already. And chances are, you're going to be able to find something that you can do to help grow the community, um, grow the products and services. That that's the last point is, is like, if we are moving into like a really bad economic, um, you know, spot, this is where the innovation happens. This is where the mm-hmm. building happen, yeah. happens. And so get plugged in, um, because while everyone's like doom and gloom, that is like the...
1: That's the time to, to get in. That's the time. Yeah.
0: yeah, the tools are gonna be being built and it's gonna be fun. Um, and so, yeah, so if you can get, if you can get to the Lexington one, that's great. Um, I can, they're on meetup.com or you can like, you can find them there. You just have to reserve a spot, but it's free. Um so yeah. All right. Very good. Yeah, so we'll we'll talk more about the uh we'll talk more about like political um Bitcoin news on Thursday. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right, and we were recording.
1: We were recording.
0: (laughs) I've been looking up, I've been looking up like every so often, like, ooh, yeah. All right, cool. All
1: right, still recording good. (laughs) It had to happen once. It had to happen. Yeah, no. Now it's burned into my brain.
0: I'm glad we redid it anyways, because there's so much things that happened already, you know, before 10 a.m. today. So cool. Well, I guess we'll leave it there. And yeah, come back on Thursday for some political, just absolute political tea that we're going to be dropping. I mean, everyone knows about the Lummis bill, but we'll also be sharing some cool news
1: Mm -hmm. um,
0: backstory. So leave it there. Thanks, Kendall.
1: All right.